Between the Chapters, a weekly podcast discussion focusing on a chapter of the book, 25 Years of EdTech, written by Martin Weller. Here's your host, Laura Pasquini. Hello and welcome. We've reached the end. So it's actually not between the chapters anymore, but it's just the end of the book. Le fini, c'est tout. I am going to be joined by Clint, my audio production partner in crime for this project. And we're going to take a retrospective to what is the Year's Ed audiobook project and the Between the Chapters episodes. So we're going to reflect back on that. And at the end, you'll hear a little thank you and a chip in there from Martin. We are so gracious for uh, letting us share and use this open educational resource for the podcast. We hope you enjoy it. And P.S. listeners, we still want to hear from you. So if you have an audio reflection you want to share, you can sneak it into the podcast if you submit it before May 15th. Thanks. Is this where we play the song Closing Time, Clint? <laughs> <laughs> Closing time. One last time. Uh, we don't have the rights for that, so I'm not going to do that one. So <laughs> There's something about that. There's like a, it's, you know, that song, which I always new from the nineties, but it's actually like the, 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 there's a phrase in there about, uh, that's based on like some, from some Greek philosopher or something from Seneca. I can't remember what the, yeah. Every new beginning comes from some other beginnings end. that's it. That's the line. I like yeah, that. It's actually a, like a deep philosophical line from like Seneca. And I would have never thought that from like a nineties <laughs> I'm loving this little piece of knowledge and tidbit. Listeners, keeping this in. Um, we're at the end. Uh, I have so many songs I want to say. And like, boys- in the end. No, so there you go. <laughs> the Beatles, right? There you go. I was going to go, uh, boys, uh, is it boys to men? It's so hard to say goodbye <laughs> to yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's been like really fun to do this with you, Clint. Um, for listeners, I hope they know that we don't like work together really no we don't we just hang out on zoom calls and uh, and chat though we now live fairly close to each other that's that's different yeah i was inspired by like yeah. your work life and where you live so i moved here no uh that was in my plan so yeah i love that we are in the same time zone so that's my retrospective for love what have you loved about this project clint Oh, the community that has come together and just having this project. I've talked about this many times, but, you know, to be able to have like a concrete project where I can pull in these people from my network and the people who stepped forward and volunteered and gave their time to do the readings, to be participants in the podcast, to create this really rich artifact to go along with uh, Martin's book. And just the people that came together to do that is really going to be the you know, when I look back on this project in 10 years, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, that was really great. All the people that came together and the people I had a chance to work with that I've never worked with before, but have always inspired me to to do that. So that'll be my that's the thing that I love the most. I love it. Um, yeah, I think it's about the people, too. I've also loved learning from so many people, I, people that I know and I didn't know and their willingness and time to share um, knowledge and make me look up things for show notes because I was like, what is that even about? I have no idea. So I've loved their candid conversations, the questions they've asked and the things that we're kind of pushing back for. Um in the topic. So like it's ed tech, but we really got into some other like deep topics, philosophies, questions, and uh, the community of listeners that like, I know, listen and tweet and share and pull out the things we say from each episode has been really fun um, from the between the chapter side. And I really, I don't know, saw this as like one of my few beacons of hope in a pandemic, because 
it was something to look forward to. Like I actually, I won't say I loved editing, but it, it reminded me when I got to listen back of the really interesting ideas and thoughts from this community that we should always hold to. Cause that's a strong value. I think um, that we are questioning and we are considering what the future could be. And Martin never planned it in this book, uh, but it gave us some ideas to talk about in the pandemic this last year to come together on years, times, places, and maybe a little technology. I think too, the, you know, listening to the, the between the chapters uh, conversations, you know, how I, I, I've been struck with how gracious Martin has been throughout this whole process too, because, you know, there's a lot of those conversations that go, well, I don't really agree with what Martin was saying here, or the timelines don't quite, I would have actually put this a lot earlier and stuff. And, you know, Martin, every time you talk to Martin about it, he's like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. You know, that's a, that's <laughs> great. Whereas, you know, that does not always happen with people who, you know, are so open with their work that uh, sometimes they can feel quite guarded and defensive about it. And so, you know, Martin's graciousness has been, has really shone through in this project as well. Huge gratitude. We're going to talk about you, Martin, because you're not here. And I will agree. Like, I think, Open as a practice is a really hard thing to do and putting in an open book and having people remix it like this and be willing to share um, knowledge source and and recognize there's like a a room for like care and other kind of thoughts to come in, I think is really cool. And I know that other folks listening want to use this for courses, want to use this for their own practice or reflect on themselves. I think that's just a continuation of like knowledge doesn't have to be done. Um, when you write a book, it's hard to, to like say, is that my final word? Probably not because you get some retrospect on it. And we'll have the same thing for these episodes. We've hosted um, both the book chapters and readings as well as between the chapters, but it's been fun along the way. And maybe we'll look back at this artifact and this kind of journey as a documentation of what we were thinking of that time. You know, you hit on something there too about the there's, there's vulnerability in being open, right. And putting your ideas out there. And, um, and I think this is a really great example that runs counter to what we often hear about what's happening on the internet and the negativity and sort of the, you know, the, the trolling and, and that kind of, that kind of behavior that happens. But, you know, here's an example of somebody who was open, put their ideas out there and then was open to other ideas and the community treated them with respect, you know, they, they pushed back, but there was definite respect there. Uh, and a really good way to show how constructive criticism, how constructive dialogue can happen and, you know, not stepping down on somebody for being open and putting their ideas out there. I think that's good. All right, let's move on to the loathed. What did you loathe about this project? Uh, what did I loathe? Well, I, yeah, I didn't have to do it a lot, but you know, as a, you, you'll know this cause you're a project manager and sometimes a good part of being a project manager is having to just kind of tap people on the shoulders all the time until you feel like you're being a bit of an annoyance and not that I had to do that a ton, but sometimes I was like, you know, people who are so gracious with their time and then I'd have to kind of tap them on the shoulder and say, um, I have a deadline coming up and I just, I need to get this done. And, you know, I, I would sometimes feel like I was like annoying people who were volunteering their time. So, you know, I often, that, that was just me. <laughs> That's I'm with you. That, that part of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm totally with you. The wrangling, uh, the wrangling, yeah. the wrangling of 
yes, like I appreciate this. This is all like uh, a labor of love. And we talked about this at the OER Cross Domains 21 conference is getting people to come on, volunteering their time. We're volunteering too. Um, that invisible labor is labor. And there's so many cool communities out there and projects like, like this that we want to call out this invisible labor and the work behind the scenes is probably work but things we do because we care about this but it's still like time spent to be like hey it's me we can we talk or let me explain what this is or you don't know me but like if I could have like a little like producer to do that like I was like that's I think one of the things I don't mind shoulder tapping digitally for folks to come on but I think it's the planning and where it fits in because because this isn't our full-time job um so figure out where it fits in and how to do it and how to do it best in a mindful way and batching it ahead of time so i want someone else to be that project manager so that's my my loathe for and maybe longed for as well mm. what did you long for um oh what do i long for yeah this one was tough i didn't know what i you know i I don't know that there was anything that I necessarily longed for with this project. I'm going to take the the route of going like I don't know. You don't know what <laughs> Why you don't, don't know. Why don't we start with you? Okay. Why don't we start with you? What did you long for? Maybe that'll I, trigger some ideas. For yeah. Me. So I was thinking about this. Um, I really want this to be really part of a community and for in the global community of OER and openness and ed tech around the world. I would long for other voices in the community. And I said this in our session that we did a panel on, about it at OER Domains. And I, I really do want other types of voices elevated and amplified. And it was hard to tap in them, not because of time zones, because I have no problem being up at four in the morning to capture someone across, but it's it's the access point. It's the understanding. It's finding the people that aren't always elevated. And um, in the world of social media and media, there's a tendency to drift towards people that are known or put themselves out there more. And I really want, I think I long for voices that aren't often heard and they might be upcoming scholars. They might be people in practice. They're doing some of this work. Um, so I think I longed for more community involvement and still do hint, hint. Um, I'd love to have other voices. And we asked from January to like recently of community voices to come in um, and just one-offs. Um, I would love to have some of their voices and I would even take my labor of editing production to put them into an episode. So I think that's what I still long for is really reaching other people in a diverse voices in different ways. And diversity means everything from where they are working to where they live in the world to their actual role and function around educational technology. Cause I don't know if we always had that be as inclusive or open as I would have liked it. Yeah. And I guess that's always one of the challenges of doing I guess in, in research, this is kind of like convenience sampling, right? It's like you're, you're tapping on your network. And, you know, if your network is is not necessarily diverse, you're not necessarily going to have that diverse richness of, of voices. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know, maybe maybe snowballing it a little bit more with, you know, when, when you're talking to people about participating, you know, hey, who else? Who else do you think might be interested in doing this project or who else, you know, has a voice in, in your network that you think should be amplified and brought forward on this specific topic. So, yeah, that, we did the best we could. And like the other long for came up, uh, we talked about like transcripts. I would long for someone to like bankroll us to like 
have paid work. Mm -hmm. So of the getting transcriptions, we have some automated services and checking them and there are some great volunteers. So it would be, it would have been cool to have some opportunities for the, like the episodes the between the chapter episodes. Um, and that might still happen in some space or time later, but I think it would be create more accessibility um, in having a transcript. I'm also scared about what some of those transcripts might say though, but still it would be good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. That would be good. Yeah. And you know, with the book, of course we have the book. So this is true. The transcript there for at least the text is, is there and now in alternative formats. This is true, but who knows? Maybe someone else will help us remix and we'll we'll keep people posted and put resources to the website. Uh, the last L is learned. So what did you learn? Uh, I learned that I really liked audio editing. <laughs> you know, it it's, sounds like such a, it, and, you know, I'm a technician at heart, but you know, that's where I... That's where my career started. I started as a radio producer and uh, I, you know, I started physically cutting reel to reel tape to do editing, you know, before in back in the digital age and uh, pre-digital age. And, and one thing I really love doing is, like I said, every Sunday morning I would sit down and I, you know, would watch a soccer game. And then after, which happened at six o'clock in the morning here, the English league. And then after that, I would just sit down for a couple of hours and, and edit in the quiet time while the rest of the family was sleeping. And I, I really love the process of going through and editing and adding in, you know, the, I, you know, I didn't do a lot of processing, but adding in the processing and just the, the part of actually making media. I, I really enjoyed that. I learned that I should have asked you to teach me how to do production because I, I chopped mine together and I was like, hey, Clint knows so much more than I do on this. <laughs> so <laughs> um, yeah, pulling back the curtain, uh, we both did our own editing of like the chapters and the episodes. And why didn't I come to Clint? This is my, I knew you were your radio background. And I was like, I'm still like hacking some of these tools together. That's my big learning. I learned that people have a lot of generosity in this community and um, I don't work directly in higher ed anymore. I'm adjacent and I do some work in and around and support my colleagues. Um, but I learned that this is a really valuable community working and teaching and learning openness at tech. Um, we've all come together around these topics and years and chapters. I just learned that there's such power in keeping your, those networks strong and still to grow and have conversations with them. And I think we have some relative things we could talk across what learning means and teaching means. Um, uh, so I'm reminded that uh, this project loops me back to some of those colleagues that I kind of miss in academia. And I, I really do value what I've learned over the last like 10 plus years um, from being part of these groups um, and conversations. And it's been really cool to say, just because you leave a place, a time, a job, a role, a function, doesn't mean you leave some of what you've learned from others and um, you'll take some of them into whatever you do next is kind of what I'm taking from this project. Well, it was good to have you back, Laura, and I hope you stick around <laughs> because you know, it's been fun. I'll show up somewhere else. You know, you can't, you can't get rid yeah. of me. I'm like a cockroach. Uh, I'm a cockroach. Uh, I will come up in there. Um, Anything else we learned? What did we learn? I'm trying to think. I kind of liked editing, but don't tell anyone else that because then they'll have me do more podcasts. 
Um, I learned that, uh, well, I knew this, I knew this already, but it was like a nice, a nice practical project to have this about the, you know, the, the benefits of being open and what, what can happen when, when you have something that is open and openly licensed and, you know, being able to take that artifact and be able to, to repurpose it and do something new with it. I mean, I, I love examples like that. I don't think we do enough of that in education and in open education with open educational resources. I think the tendency is always to start building something new. I I want to build a new textbook. It's going to be an open textbook, but I want to start from scratch or I'm going to build a new open course or something. Whereas, you know, there, there are great resources out there that can be reused. That is one of the benefits of, of open education and creative commons licensed materials. And so I was, you know, I was happy to be able to have a project that uh, was able to build on that. I learned that you still learn things about topics, even if you think, you know, like I learned that dropping the expertise hats and asking more questions and listening to people, which I know this to be true is, is so powerful. And people think I knew some of these topics. I didn't, I was like, I don't really know, but I'm going to like be willing to like ask those things or stay things that I'm not sure I'm aware of. Um, I took those show notes. They weren't for any of y'all. They were for me. I was like, I need to look this up and find out what this is and <laughs> drop those links into the resources because I think it just enriched as I processed the editing and like went through and chopped up a little bit of the production. I think I realized I was like, oh, there's so much other things that were brought up in this episode that I just want to remind myself and dig into a bit more. And that's really why I created those show notes. And I guess they've been valuable to me and I think others that have been listening. So that's been helpful to hear multimodal. That's me. Something else I learned too, that was brought up again by Martin in the conclusion, just around the subject matter is that, you know, my career has, it's, it, I, you know, I come from a similar space as, as Martin, you know, we're, 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 you know, white heterosexual cisgender, you know, in, in, positions of privilege. And, and so, you know, I see a lot of my history in the history of this book. Um, and, and, and part of what I, I picked up on the conclusion again, was that as much as that history doesn't seem to change, it has changed a lot. So, you know, and I think the example that Martin used in the, in the book was around the idea of reading. If you look at reading today compared to reading 25 years ago, reading hasn't fundamentally changed. I mean, we still read in a whole bunch of different ways, but the context around reading has changed immensely. The way people acquire books, whether they read it in paper, whether they read it in an e-text, like all of these, these contexts have changed. So while the process of reading hasn't really changed, the process of reading has actually really changed. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and it's the same thing in, in higher education. Cause I think sometimes in higher education, you know, people, so quick to throw out the the nothing ever changes in higher ed. Well, actually, a lot has changed in higher ed over the past twenty five years. But fundamentally, there are things that haven't changed about higher education, and maybe those are things that we don't want changed about higher education. So, um, so that was something that just it was reinforced, and I learned again as I went through the book. Yeah, learning this conclusion reminded me learning that things are cyclical that we do forget about these things we tried in the past, that things in the past are still relevant, which I'm a history major in undergrad. And I think some of the roots and things we could take from, doesn't mean they're always right, but we could learn what was done because we're going to have to think about new ways of being in educational technology. And it's not going to be what is like the status quo is being shaken up in so many of these areas. And 
it wasn't just the dystopian turn. It's like we have to ask these critical questions and also push back. And I'm reminded that there's also going to be perspectives and people at the center of these things. And um, I love that this, this idea of empathy and care and the right to refuse came up towards the end because I think that's where we're going to go forward and lead. It's not going to be a set of tools or uh, maybe even the way we do the things. It's going to be the values and the core. Um, so what? It's going to drive where higher ed goes and teaching and learning exists and how some of these entities and mediums and platforms come into our world. Like it's going to lead with the people and the values first. Um, so that was kind of nice. I also learned you should always do a podcast with a book because there's an end. And then you're done the project and happy project managers like Clint and I are like, whoo, dust it off. Away you go into the world. <laughs> We're drawn to projects and projects have end dates, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. What's on the next, uh, what's on the horizon for us, Clint? What are we going to do with our free time? We're not editing. I don't know, but you know, this has really wet my whistle again for doing audio. I mean, which is, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to pick it up too. It's like, I, I you know, I had radio as a career, but then I kind of left it for a long time. And, you know, the whole podcast resurgence came by and I, I, I have had many people come to me and say, are you going to do a podcast? Are you going to, you know, with my background? I'm like, no, you know, did it once, blah. And then I did this project and I'm like, I think I really like to do this. And so, you know, I'm percolating what uh, the next project might be. And you and I were talking before we hit the record button around, different styles of podcasts. And, uh, and you know, there's something that uh, appeals to me around the documentary form as opposed to just the interview format. And uh, and, and so, I don't know, I'm, I'm kicking around this. Uh, and, you know, there's some talk in my community around, we, we're always talking about ethics and educational technology ethics. And these issues are starting to, to you know, come to the fore. I don't know where this is going to go, but I, I kind of have the idea that I want to do something else in audio again. So this may not be my last audio project. I like that, Clint. I'm glad that that's, this has sparked that for you because you have a good voice. Uh, we have voices and faces for radio. Um, and <laughs> no, I will say, I think it's been interesting. I have a podcast problem, so I don't have that, but it's been enjoyable to work with new people like you and Martin and folks that have come on to just have a conversation. And yeah, we're both big fans of, uh, Clinton and I learned we're both fans of Sonic Exploder and just, I'd love to be not a voice, but maybe, um, bringing voice to others. So I'm thinking about ways I could in other podcasts I have, um, amplify that and cut my voice out a bit more or think about other soundscapes and maybe some journeys people are on how to showcase that in audio. So it's reminding me that there's a really good time to shut up and let other people talk. And also maybe some different formats because interviewing and having conversations is fine, but I'd be intrigued. Like what draws me in as a listener and what would I want to stop by for like a quick 10, 15 minutes is what I've been thinking about these days. So my horizon is Martin thinks we're going to do another podcast for him, by the way. What do you think of that? <laughs> <laughs> He's got a new book coming out. I know there's like a book about metaphors. So yeah. <laughs> uh, only if I can do like um, some sort of soundscapey thing. That's not this, like that's not talk, talk. And then I'm in. So if, if we could do like uh, a metaphor on the metaphors and I'm in, that's it. 
<laughs> no voices. We'll do a metaphor. We'll do a show about metaphors using audio metaphors for the book. I love it. I'm <laughs> in. People just have to guess. <laughs> exactly. I'm in. And it'll be like little soundscape clips. Maybe we'll yeah. have like a little voiceover in the meditative style. It'd be like the Calm or Headspace app, but related to whatever the book is. Eh? Knowing Martin's love for Jaws, I'm sure we'll be uh, having a... In there somewhere. <laughs> We're gonna have to go to like the the public domain and see what's available before we like to plan this one first. That will take more planning. <laughs> well, I just want to thank you for getting this started, Clint. You're, it, it all started with asking about audio book recordings, and I really appreciate um, you kind of taking the lead to wrangle uh, the community and put out the organization and scaffolding around this project. Sorry, Jesse, for uh, we did use the word scaffolding. Um, and also, I want you to like, think that you kind of inspired other people to think about how to use these open artifacts, like an open book, in a new way and bringing voices literally to this project. It's been really cool. Oh, thanks, Laura. Yeah, thanks. And, and you know, obviously, uh, so fantastic to have you come on board and jump at the opportunity to to take this even further than what I had envisioned in the first place and to put all the extra work in, to, to wrangle all the guests and to do all the editing and put that together week after week after week. That's a lot of work and I really appreciate it. And I think you've, you've you know, turned this project into something that is <laughs> obviously way more than what I ever envisioned. So thank you for that. Hey, give us Google Docs, give us some like Zoom rooms and you don't know what will happen in this community is what I say. So, um, Well, I think you should also say a, a big thank you to all of the people who read chapters, who guested on all of the shows, who provided their time and their opinions and their, their voices to make this project happen. I really, you know, could not have done it without, without the, the work of the community. So thank you. Absolutely. And Martin, uh, quote unquote, executive producer is what he dubbed himself once uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, Martin, we thank you for just your graciousness and generosity and uh, letting us like experiment in the sandbox uh, with a new kind of remixing of openness and showcasing what a book club, quote unquote, could be to hearing people read your chapter. I think it's been kind of fun to listen to those on the weekly and what will people do with their time, Clint? They're just going to miss us. And uh, who knows? <laughs> I have two more thank yous, though. I want to. I also yes. want to mention um, the, the Open ETC uh, in BC for hosting the website for us. Thank you very much for, for doing that. And to, um, to Karen Weislink at uh, AU Press, um, Athabasca University Press. They were the publishers of the book. And uh, when I approached them about the project... Um, they were very supportive and have provided lots of uh, support and resources. And uh, you, you can not only find the book on the 25years.opened.ca website hosted by the OpenETC, but they also have copies of all of the audio content on Martin's electronic version of the book at the AU Press site. And so thank you very much to Athabasca University Press. I love it. Clint's made this feel like we're in a mini award show. That's great. All right. Cue the show music. Uh, we thank you, dear listeners, for loving us, liking us, following, subscribing, and commenting in different forms and formats. Um, we are still leaving 
the airwaves open. So if you'd like to record something, I'm going to give it till I'll say May 15th. If you want to do a shout out, a thank you. I still haven't gotten any audio clips, but we put a link and we will continue to put a link in the show notes where you could send us uh, your own reflection, what you've learned, comment, ask questions. Um, and if we get some things, I'll do a mashup. Happy to edit that one and share with the community. But thanks for listening, everyone. We really appreciate it. Thanks. And now, the final last word from the author himself, Dr. Martin Weller. Uh, I just want to say thanks, a massive thanks to uh, Clint for coming up with this idea originally of doing an audio book around my my book. Uh, and then Laura for deciding to do a podcast and both of them for organising all the people to come around and do it and uh, all the effort they put into uh, getting those audio files out every week. It's been an amazing project, really, I think. And I think particularly given the last year we've had, which has been a bit crap for most of the time. I think it's been a real kind of fun thing to be involved with and a real sort of sense of a, a community project. And I said in our OER 21 presentation that I, I could see a course being based around this. So there's tons of resources there, as well as the book, the audio book, the podcast, and the way people really dive into subjects. And Laura's also collected together resources around each of the podcast, which would be a good kind of reading list. So I think it's kind of a really interesting collection of a kind of oral history if you like of the past 25 odd years and also people thinking very deeply about where it's going next so thanks everyone who's involved in the project uh, particularly thanks to laura and Clint. you've been listening to between the chapters with your host laura pisquini for more information or to subscribe to between the chapters and 25 years of ed tech visit 25years.opened.ca.